Welcome to Arena Athletes, your home for MTG Arena Strategy. Step inside the digital arena with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Brought to you by Face to Face Games. You're listening to Arena Athletes number 120, Shifting Gears. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic, David. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. I got a chance to play some Paper Magic uh, at my LGS uh, for the first time outside of a pre-release in a long time, so it felt real good. Drafted Mono Red, and uh, it was a ton of fun. So I know you're not drafting M20, uh, but you're missing out. I think this format's a lot of fun. It's I've poo-pooed a lot of, sealed, or a lot of uh, corset formats, and this one... This one checks all the boxes, so I've, I'm having a blast with it so far. Yeah, from what I could tell, it looked like it was going to be a little bit slower. Is that actually the case? Uh, I drafted mono red, so no, <laughs> not for me, not so much. Okay, <laughs> no, it it seems to be that there's a lot of shenanigans. I was watching some uh, some streamers today actually um, drafting like really grindy blue black decks with a lot of recursion, and somebody had a Yarok with a Scholar of the Ages or Scholar of Secrets looping back four spells and, and soul salvages in there as well. It was, there's some sweet stuff you can do this format. It looks like cool. You know, I'm a little disappointed that we didn't have Kaladesh in the same block now as scape shift. Cause that would have made our podcast title so much better. Uh, why is that shifting gears, shifting sands? Cause it's gears in Kaladesh. Oh, and Kaladesh. Sorry, I thought you meant. I think you meant Ammon Cat. I was like, I don't want Kaladesh. Get out of here. No, I want Ammon Cat in every set because Ammon Cat was awesome. But this dreaming of days gone by. Hmm. So, it's been a week since we talked. You were back from vacation. Hope you had a good time there. But uh, we're gonna catch up. We're gonna talk about some uh, some standard this week, as well as a little bit of a catch up on the news from uh, from MTG Arena since we last talked about the state of the beta. We went through an entire, like, two iterations of the mastery system. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really give our opinions on that. Fair to say that we're pretty happy with where it's at right now? Yeah, I'm certainly happy with it. To be fair, I was kind of happy with it where it was to begin with. But that's because I've played a lot of games that had a battle pass system very similar to that, where it wasn't really expected that you could complete it all by playing. Although, to be fair, they didn't have a daily limit on the XP cap. So if you wanted to just grind and grind and grind, you could do it. So I, I think the iteration they finally got it to is one that I'm happy with. Um, to be honest, I just wanted the cat, and I have the cat, so I'm happy now. Yeah, I like that it works out to the exact same rewards that you're going to get normally, as long as you're doing your daily quests and, and getting your 15 wins a week. Um, I also like that it, it seems to be quite economical to purchase the pass once you've hit a certain spot mm-hmm. in the pass where you get a lot of benefit. And if you're going to buy packs with gems anyway, like you might as well just buy the pass and get all the extras. So a um, couple of things I don't like, like I don't like that you get the Planeswalker mythics or the Planeswalker deck mythics as your like showcase myth- mythics and things like that. But I mean, whatever, there's still a decent amount of value there. So I like what they're doing there. Um, I like you can purchase your own cosmetics for, for free, right? As you're going through the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's a good direction. I think you know, people will cry foul when it comes to microtransactions and kind of milking people for dollars and cents. And it's like, look, they got to make their money somehow. You know, if you don't like it, you don't have to participate. You can still get the same rewards as you were doing it before. And other people that want to support the game and, you know, pick up these little cosmetics, 
it's totally fine. They can do their thing, right? So, um, would Jerry be out to see how the free experience, a quote unquote free experience, where we get experience for playing in events to get those free levels to help get you up to those, you know, maximum 100 or 99 levels or whatever it is. Um, and it looks like we're going to get some coming up this weekend. So, uh, all in all, thrilled with what they're doing with it um, and very happy that they didn't take away any rewards uh, from us. They kept that system in place. Have you bought one yet? No, I'm going to wait to see how far I make it in the past. This summer is quite busy, so I don't even know if I'm going to get to max level. I think if I get to the point where like, I'm getting half of my gems back plus a bunch of packs, then I'll probably just scoop up the pass and, and get the kitty cat. Okay. I, I bought it as soon as the cat was out. Like Literally, the first thing I did when I logged in was I bought the cat because I was like, it's worth it just for this for me. I play enough of this just having a pet cat. And it was right after Dutch died, so it was like, <laughs> I they, they kind of got me. It's like, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to buy the cat immortalized. Yeah. So obviously that's, that's Dutch over in the corner. Obviously. Um, what I am going to buy though, and we're going to talk about the, uh, the plaincation, which is coming up this weekend. This is the, the latest state of the beta. Um, the biggest takeaway for me for the, from this article is the fact that I can buy full art battle for Zendikar lands. I, I think that's going to be my next purchase actually. If they have M and Cat lands as well, I'll buy them. But Zendikar lands can beat it. No, but Get out of here. <laughs> the, that's my IRL paper draft set lands are those. I'm close to my unstable set, but for the for the time being, I am using Battle for Zendikar ones. Yeah. Um, I, I like what they're doing here too, because this is something that we have actually talked about before. It's like, just give me full art lands. Um, I don't mind paying for them. Now, there's also alternate art lands, or not alternate art, but... Um, old art lands that you can earn going through some of these events that are coming up in the plaincation. So for example, in the Ravnica guild battle, you can unlock return to Ravnica lands. So not even like, you know, Ravnica block from, you know, the last year we're talking like five or six years ago, you can earn those lands, uh, which is pretty cool. And those are free. It doesn't give us an idea of what the cost is for these, um, full art lands, the battle for Zendikar ones. And I'm, I'm hoping that they're not bamboozling me here because I'm looking at a screenshot with the five, like beautiful full art battle for Zendikar lands here. Like the planes is absolutely my favorite out of these ones. You know, I don't know what's a reasonable cost for these, but I'm going to pay it. And that's kind of like, I'm not going to pay for the mastery pass for a while until I get full value out of it. But this is something that I'm going to pick up because I like having these in real life. I'm going to like them, you know, in my draft sets. And I think it's really cool. It's just a cool way to express yourself. Lands have always been that method of expressing yourself in real life. You'll see people with, you know, wacky and unique land sets. You'll see people that just play things out of the, out of the, the common box, out of, you know, the, the store's draft set or whatever. So I think it's really cool that you can, it's just another way you can express yourself on Arena, which kind of, kind of brings it closer to paper for me. And kind of starting to merge those two experiences together, I think, is a really good thing for me. Yeah, I, I I have my critiques of Arena, but honestly, the cosmetic system is definitely not one of them. I think they're doing a fantastic job here. They're getting offerings that get you excited, which are different from the offerings which get me excited. And I think that's the, the sign of this being done really well, that there's something that everybody wants. Like, I wanted my bolus avatar and my cat pet, 
And I'm that guy that when I go draft just takes the lands out of the common box at the store. Like for whatever reason, that never did it for me. But I know people that get really excited about it. They've got their beta lands or their Innistrad lands or whatever it is that they want to bring to draft or play sealed with. And I think that's cool that they're managing to tick all those boxes. So like overall, this looks good to me. I'll probably get them too because, I mean, why not at this point? I'm going to play Arena forever. So may as well have them for my constructed decks too. That's the spirit. Yeah. So... Aside from from that, in the the Plaincation update, we also get a bunch of new-ish events, um, and these are free-to-enter events with, it looks like, unique lands uh, as the first set of rewards. It doesn't really give us an indication of what the other rewards are, Um, but one of the ones I'm looking forward to in here is the Guild Battle, and uh, we talked about this a bit on the mic check, but the Guild Battle is uh, pre-constructed, 10 pre-constructed decks that you can pick from, and you battle in the queue to try and get your five wins or whatever to earn your 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 max rewards. I really like the appeal of this for a couple of reasons, but the main one is it reminds me of playing Magic Online free-to-play when you would log in as a guest account and you would get to pick from one of five decks that were monocolored. I remember And you those. would battle against other people doing the same thing. And that's actually how I got into playing Magic Online way back when, like probably when I had dial-up internet, I think. And um, and this kind of takes me back to that. So I think it's really cool. Um, it, it feels a little bit like a limited environment uh, because everybody's playing on the same power level. And I think it's going to be... It's going to reward players that are good at the game as opposed to people that are good at picking the right deck mm-hmm. or learning a specific deck. So I think it's going to play more like a sealed format, and I'm really looking forward to that. Same. Like, usually when they do these wacky events on the side, I'm usually not super interested in them. Uh, but I've actually done something like this before. For a while, back in the days of Pro Tours, they'd have what they called a Pro Tour gauntlet on Magic Online. And you could pay like 10 tickets, you got a random constructed deck that was in the top 20 of the Pro Tour, and you battled against other people who got the same deck. And it was an absolute blast. I really enjoyed that format and was sad to see those go. So I'm kind of looking forward to being able to do something similar to that here and still have that autonomy to pick the guild that I want to play. Right, like I'm probably going to pick the Azorius or Orzov one because, like, I identify a lot with those guilds, and it'll be neat to just pick that and jam out my five wins and 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 have some fun while I'm doing it. I think these are fantastic additions, and I like that they have these rotating free events that are primarily giving cosmetic awards, so that the free to play player can still get something that they can bling out their deck with. And lands is it's I'm surprised they haven't done it before. It's just, it just seems like an obvious choice to do because everybody can make use of them. Yeah, lands is, is the no-brainer reward for these. I also like that they give you a level of experience in the mastery tree. Um, and and for the free-to-play players, it also gives them an opportunity to pick up a few wins per week, right? Like, you think of a brand new player coming into this game, there's like however many sets there are now, but they're so far behind in their collection, they're playing decks like this anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> why, why don't they play a little bit more powerful deck in a free-to-play event you know, maybe granted they'll be playing against players that are, are better than that, better than them, but at least they'll get an experience with the deck and maybe find some inspiration to build their own deck within their collection. Now, the downside is, is you don't get to keep these cards. Yeah. But still, you get to play with some cool rares and mythics. Like I imagined Azorius Senate has deputy detention. Well, maybe you didn't play, you know, the Ravnica block at all. You got in with War of the Spark and you never got to play with with a deputy detention. Now you get to see how cool it is. So I think it's really cool. Kudos to, to Watsi for doing that. And I like that they're finding these little niche events that they can run out. And hopefully they'll bring things like this back. Like I could see this coming back 
once every couple of sets or something like that um, and giving us a similar kind of themed battle. I think it's really cool. I think this should almost be a permanent weekly thing. You've just made the case for why this is so good for new players and you and I and franchise players are excited about it. Just do it. I mean, yeah, like it's kind of like renting a deck, right? Yeah, for free. Except you don't for free. You don't get to keep the cards, and it's like it's like why not, right? It's it's again, it takes you back to that free to play Moto Day where you could just log in and pick one of five decks, and and away you go, right? Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe maybe I'll tweet that at the the powers that be and see if that's something they're interested in. But you know, they're testing this. Um, you know, there's rumors that we're gonna go full release and sometime in the next quarter so um you know we'll see what happens when that uh, when that falls down so pretty cool yeah i agree the the other thing i'm looking forward to here and just to see what it's going to be like i don't know how much i'll actually play it i'll probably just do my five wins and then pass on anymore is the standard shakeup so the standard shakeup is temporary bands or bands just for this event of a bunch of commonly played standard cards. So Teferi's on this list. History Benali is on this list. Curious Obsession is on this list. Nexus of Fate. Experimental Frenzy. Light up the stage. Basically, they're taking the top five decks, six decks from the last few months, and just saying, okay, you can't play the key cards in these decks anymore. Now, what this is going to end up meaning is that Simic Flash is just going to rule the day and nobody's going to play anything else. But I'm curious to see if there's anything else that come, kind of comes out of here. I'm a big believer that restrictions uh, breed creativity. And quite often in my job is like, I'll be given a challenge that I can't solve with a piece of technology or I can't solve with a solution that I've done before because of the restrictions around, you know, the environment that I'm in or something like that. And it forces me to think creatively. So by taking cards away from people, it's forcing people to come up with new decks and new ideas and enhance existing ideas that maybe didn't really have a place because of a card like Teferi or because of a card like Nexus of Fate. Uh, you get to unlock your sideboard, put a few more cards in there, and get to experiment with those things. And I think that's really cool, and I think it's really healthy with the exception of Civic Flash just probably coming in here and, and running over everything because it's an established deck that already competes with a lot of these cards. So yeah. curious to see what happens. Um, I'll probably give it a shot, but I'm more interested to see what kind of decks come out of it because I think that will give us an idea of what will be around after rotation in the fall. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like the only interest I really have in that is maybe seeing some of the non-Simic Flash decks. Like if they put a cool reward in it or something, maybe I'll go play some Simic Flash to get the reward and some experience with the deck anyway. Um, but mostly what I'd be interested in to see is is like what's around if some of these cards aren't there. Yeah, exactly. And um, hopefully we'll get some lists. Um, I'll check Reddit and things like that, or people can tweet uh, tweet at us or whatever, to, just to send us the lists you're having success with, because I really want to see what people are playing. And then there's also Popper coming up, but I think Popper, you know, there's it's pretty it's a pretty established format. People like it. There's a lot of good decks. I don't know if anything from the most recent sets have added anything to Popper, but that's always a good time to, to see what comes out of that too. So uh, all in all, we have a neat little couple of weeks of some of these short events and I'm looking forward to seeing basically what people do with them. Show me some cool deck lists and uh, show me those cool lands that you get uh, as a reward. So I'm looking forward to see, seeing people's blinged out uh, M20 decks when I jam at them in limited. Yeah. And you know, I think I, I have a couple things that I wanted to bring up. I've, I think that pauper should almost be a thing that's on there all the time. I don't quite understand why it isn't yet. Cause it seems like it's got enough of a fan base that I don't quite get why that's just not always there. 
maybe they're waiting for the tweak or something, but like it, it seems like that's a pretty easy one because it seems like a pretty good gateway for new players if it's mostly commons. Like you can do a couple drafts, pick up the commons that you need for your deck, and then go ahead and start jamming in that. I've also heard rumors of Brawl as a format being something that will be coming to Arena. Not a rumor. It's confirmed. Yeah, I, I was hearing rumors from my chat. So what do we know about it so far? Uh, so we know that there's Brawl pre-constructed paper decks that are being released with the next set. And at the same time, to coincide with that, we will be seeing Brawl being re- released on Arena. So whether that means that we will get the pre-constructed decks as purchase options or as, as coded options in your paper pack, we're not sure. Um, but it certainly looks like it will be available as a one-on-one format in Arena. Okay, that was my big question, was is it one-on-one or is it actually going to be mm-hmm. multiplayer? I had suspected when they finally introduced you know, Commander or Brawl or whatever, it was going to be one-on-one. But I think Singleton is another interesting format for people that are newer getting into the game because you don't have to invest in a play set of very expensive cards. And oftentimes there's these pre-cons that you can get. So however, you, whatever you, hoops you have to jump through to get those Brawl decks, I think that's another great entry into Arena for people. Um, and then my last one, like we haven't actually talked about Historic as a format yet, have we? No, actually, we probably should probably mention that too, because that was in the previous state of the beta, which was around the time of our set reviews, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So from what I could tell, they said it was going to be a casual format was the part that has a lot of people a little upset but that it would basically mm-hmm. just be Ixalan forward. Why is it necessarily a bad thing to be a casual format? Because just a lot of people are railing about that. What, what does that even mean? It, I think it's just not ranked. And it's not like it doesn't have the constructed events like Standard does. So you're not playing for prizes. You're just playing in a casual queue. I, I think the people that really enjoy a format... I mean, even though Historic doesn't really exist, it kind of exists right now because that's what we're playing. But I think the people that really enjoy a format want to be able to flex their intellectual muscle mm-hmm. on their opponents. And you can't really do that in a casual queue. I mean, you can, but you don't get anything out of it. Yeah, People like to have that badge at the end of the day that says they're mythic, right? Um, and I think that's the that's the biggest problem that people have with it, um, aside from the fact that it doesn't include Kaladesh and Amonkhet cards as well. Yeah, and there there were people even back, way back in the day saying that Shadows Over Innistrad might be included, and there's no reason to say that they won't be at some point, right? Like, we know that Kaladesh and Amonkhet are coded in there. We've done drafts with those sets uh, before we went to open beta. So, like, it's possible that they could make it competitive later, and I also just wanted to toss this out there for people that are thinking about it. Like, the entirety of competitive magic is not only what you see in those queues or what you see in the Mythic Championships, um, Alias has been running her Super Spiffy tournament. Uh, we've got the Fandom Legends events. There's been multiple Twitch Rivals events. There's tons of things that you as a player can sign up for. I think Alias's tournament is one of the best options if you just want to sign up as a player and get in it. And there's no reason that somebody couldn't run a historic tournament a year from now. Um, and I think that could be very exciting and very fun, uh, especially because it's something that might be even be difficult to test for. Gosh, now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of want to run one. Uh, but we'll see we'll, we'll see where where that goes. Maybe we get a spectator mode and I'll actually do that. But like I think there's ways to breathe life into a format. I also wanted to compare this to Hearthstone's wild format. They have a ranked version for both standard and historic, basically. They have their own standard and then they have a wild format, which is just all the old cards. And the ranks are the same. You can play either to get your rank. I don't really see why that would be a terrible thing for this. 
um, and, and let people keep playing. I, I know they want an incentive for people to buy new cards, but I think there still would be. And I think standard would still be most people's jam, don't you? I think so until we get a lot of sets rotating out like it probably next year at this time is when you'd really see the uptake in historic or if Amon Cat and Kaladesh came into play I think you'd see that as well but like I, th- I think you're right I think people that are playing on arena are still going to purchase cards if, even if they're playing historic you just have a, you'll just have some people that just never buy new cards but they're also they're probably not buying new cards now anyway right yeah. so it's going to be the same as what happens in paper a modern set comes out you know all the modern players, they buy like four cards from their LGS. They don't open any packs and they're subsidized by, or the draft players are subsidized by these people that are paying top dollar for, you know, the Ren and Six or whatever the cards are that are big and modern these days. Same thing happens, except there's no subsidization happening online. So draft players are still paying full price. Um, you know, they're not getting any value back for them. It's just now they're accidentally picking up cards for historic at the same time. Or historic players are accidentally picking up cards for standard at the same time. So I think what it allows is it allows people to find what they like and just play that. And there'll probably be less cross-pollination between those those groups of people. Like historic will probably play historic and maybe some standard. Standard will probably play standard and some draft. And then draft will probably play draft and a little bit of standard is my guess. Yeah. I just, I, I just want people to like not be too upset that like, They've said casual. That probably just means not ranked, and it doesn't mean we couldn't have tournaments anyway. If it's something that you're into, like support that and talk to the people that organize these tournaments or organize your own. It might be fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, they did say that Ammon Ken and Kaladesh blocks are to be determined. So they said they're still interested in finding the right way to bring these decks back to Arena, but they're holding off for now. This is kind of a direct quote uh, from the article. Um, they say they like it because the standard method is pretty healthy right now. So they hope this will naturally lead into a healthy non-rotating format as well. Uh, they go on to say they'll be back one day, just not right now. So I read this as saying they're not sure how to introduce two sets or four sets of cards to arena, um, allowing people the opportunity to collect them without having to buy a bunch of packs. So... I think once they solve that problem, I think it would be reasonable to expect that we'll go back to Amonkhet and Kaladesh, mm-hmm. which I'm looking forward to because I want to play my Anointed Procession deck with Scapeshift. You know, I will draft with bots if it means I get to draft Hour of Devastation. I'll do whatever I have to to draft that set again. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care what it costs. I don't care what I have to do. I'll dress up in a silly costume. Just I, I just want to draft Hour of Devastation again. And that would make sense to introduce it as a draft format. Uh, you can buy with gold. It'd be the rank, the ranked format of of the week or whatever, and then open up the packs for people to buy if they want to pick up those cards or unlock the cards with wild cards. Right? I think there's a lot of options there, so mm-hmm. we'll let them figure it out. Um, the other thing that kind of interests me here from the rotation, and it's part of this article, the the June state of the beta, is that they're adding some special events and rewards for players to help renew their collection for the new standard environment, as well as to show our appreciation for all of your support. So I'm curious. I I don't really want to speculate on what that is because I think it could mean a lot of things, but that sounds to me like the people that have been playing for a while um, will get some kind of maybe reward or benefit uh, for their support of Magic Arena um, and get a little val- get, get a little value back out of their collection rotating out into the historic format. Fingers crossed that maybe you just get a bunch of packs or 
you know, they take like, oh, you've got like 70 mythics of the previous sets. We're going to give you seven mythic wild cards to spend on the new set or something like that. Like, I'm I'm optimistic there'll be something there for the people that have been playing for the last year and a, and a bit. Yeah, that bit that that's actually cool. I wasn't expecting anything like that at all. So the fact that they're thinking about doing that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Anything else? Like the last couple of state of the beta has been pretty good. Obviously, M twenty is exciting and has shaken up the standard format quite a bit. But uh, anything you want to touch on before we jump into what we're playing this week? Nope. I want to talk about Scape Shift. Oh, there's so much to talk about about standard. Okay, so where do you want to start? Scape Shift. Okay, Scape Shift. Go. Okay, so the new set came out. And I started trying to build decks and I started out with, you know, hey, there was that zombie Liliana and it never got played. I wonder why. And it turns out because it's not really good in the zombie sock. And I was like, okay, I'll build Jund and we'll play Jund. And I played it and it was terrible. And I was like, you know what I need to do? I need to just chillax until the fandom tournament and then see what cool decks pop up. And boy, howdy, was I not disappointed. Um, right before the event, people started whispering rumors of a scapeshift deck and I went and found the list that Huey had been playing and I tried it out for a couple of hours on stream and it was just super duper fun. And then I watched the event in which he did very well with the deck and there were uh, other people playing similar copies. Uh, and after that, like this has reinvigorated standard for me. I don't know what it is or why I like the deck so much, I guess, because it feels like there's always a chance to get out of it. If you can top deck that scape shift and it makes all of the top decks very exciting and it has a very streamlined game plan. I've been playing it in best of ones predominantly and tuned it a little bit for best of one, but I've just been having a blast with this deck. If you're not familiar with it, it's basically using uh, a land out of the new set, Field of the Dead, uh, which enters the battlefield tapped. Whenever it or another land enters the battlefield under your control, if you control seven or more lands with different names, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. And then Scape Shift, which lets you sacrifice lands and go get lands from your deck to put into play tapped to make a horde of zombies and kill your opponent all in one turn. Uh, you can join that with Teferi Time Raveler to be able to do this at the end of your opponent's turn. And some versions are doing it with Samet, so you can give the zombies haste and then kill your opponent out of nowhere that turn. But something about the way this deck plays just has me super interested because it plays like a combo deck. It can play like a value deck. It's just got so many angles that it can attack from. And then it's got random Hydroid Crisis in it as well because like part of your plan is ramping anyway. So why not just make a, you know, 8-8 flyer and draw four cards? Uh, I, I've just, I've been having a blast playing this deck. Uh, and I think I would play it if there was nothing on the line, but I've been like, hey, let's push ranked and see where we can get. And been steadily climbing the rank, the ranks and having a blast doing it. Yeah, since LSV won this past weekend, uh, he won GP Denver, I believe, with the with the deck. He, I've been seeing a lot of it in the best of three ladder as well. Um, undefeated against it, luckily, not not for like you know, I got lucky in a lot of those those matchups, but um, definitely seeing a resurgence. And now I'm starting to tune my sideboard for it, and I think that's going to be something that people will adapt to. Um, I see people calling for a ban of Scapeshift because it's overpowered and broken. It's like, well, first of all, two things. One, it rotates in three months, so don't worry about it. And two, there's a lot of sideboard options that just completely hose the deck. Yeah. So not only do you have to worry about the mirror and getting to ferried out and having to cast your Scapeshift at sorcery speed, there are board wipes, instant speed board wipes, sorcery speed board wipes. Um, there's Alpine Moon, which is a, an enchantment that shuts down a, a land of a specific, uh, of your choice, uh, a name of your specific choice. Um, I've seen people say that Ashiok, uh, the uncommon planeswalker from War of the Spark, 
is an option to go in there because it prevents people from searching their libraries. That's not actually good enough. I face people trying to ashiog me. The the other thing that is good enough though is unmoored ego. Uh, that's oh, actually I'm, kind of difficult to deal with. Right. So unmoored ego as well. So there, there's a couple of things that I'm trying in the elemental deck, and then I randomly came across a card. So I was looking for cards for Simic Flash that survive rotation. So I just went into Arena and searched for Flash. And uh, I got a card here for you. Do you remember Crafty Cut Purse? It's a rare from uh, Ixalan Block. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I never picked it and never played it. And I, I don't remember what it does. We don't need to talk about it either. Uh, so what deck have you been playing? So it's three and a blue for a Flash 2-2. Two, two. When it enters the battlefield... Each token that would be created under an opponent's control this turn is created under your control instead. Yeah, I don't like that card, and I don't really want to spread the news about it. It's it's out there now. The good thing is, though, is if you have Teferi in play, this obviously doesn't do anything. Yeah. But if you're playing against a Simic Flash player, you know, there's a very good chance that your Teferi is not around in the early game, mm-hmm. and that maybe this can steal uh, a couple of zombie tokens or 36 zombie tokens. And while we're talking about that, we've been looking at, and by we, I mean my stream and I, uh, the possibility of needing to include alternate win conditions in the sideboard of this deck. Because people are going to be bringing in so much hate for you, you may just need a way to be able to kill them anyway. And there's some solid options to do that. Like even just a Nissa out of the sideboard is pretty dang good. Because a lot of the things they're doing to interact, uh, they're going to cut out like a lot of spot removal and you should be able to swarm them with a bunch of uh, trees. So like I'm going to be looking at that and I'm excited about the fandom tournament this week too because I'm sure some people are going to bring this. And we've also got a lot of the pros out in Barcelona. So we'll have just a bunch of streamers playing and I'm interested to see what sort of hate they bring for Scapeshift and what the Scapeshift decks do to adapt. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a pro at sideboarding and it's something that I really want to get better at. And I'm curious to see how many sideboard spots people are going to dedicate to uh, the scapeshift matchup. So like I'm running a team or elemental deck, a ramp elemental deck, for example, and I have three sideboards, uh, sideboard slots for, um, for scapeshift right now. And it's because I'm experimenting with it. I have an Ashiok, I have a, an Alpine moon and I have a, uh, the instant speed pirate clasm or whatever it is. Um, so I'm not really sure where I need to shake down based on on how frequently I'm facing it in the ladder, but I'm really curious to see what people are doing in the fandom event because there's probably going to be five people playing Scapeshift and the other 11 people are going to be sideboarding against it. Yeah, I could tell you from what I've seen so far, I am scared of Alpine Moon. I'm not particularly scared of a Pirate Clasm or an Ashiok. Okay, good to know, good to know. Because, like, I could... You can get me after I've scapeshifted and killed the, the the 50 zombies. But what I learned was never make more zombies than necessary to win. So if you pirate clasm mm-hmm. me, I probably have some more ramp spells and I can get another six, eight, ten zombies on the board the next turn. Ashiok really only turns off my scapeshift and some of my search for land cards, but I can just draw the lands and play them and kill you with the zombies. But the mm-hmm. Alpine Moon is no, I can't make zombies until I deal with that. So if you can, now I can Teferi and bounce it, make a lot of zombies and then replay it, and then you replay it, and like, that's kind of where you may be able to get me with a Pirate Clasm, but it's it's those two in conjunction that work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the card that I've found so far that I've really had a lot of success with just randomly having it is the Six Mana Chandra. Oh yeah, that kills everybody. Yeah, right. my apologies. That That's already in your deck and it just wrecks me. I can't beat it. Yeah, so that's probably why I'm not really interested in the the pirate clasm or the board wipes as much. But I think it's it's cool because there's a lot of different options and none of them are 
perfect. Yeah. Right? It's it's not like a Graph Digger's Cage against Reanimator. Like, there's ways around this. There's ways that the Scapeshift deck can still win through this, and I think that's really cool. And I think that's just the sign of a deck that is... Or a format that's healthy, right? You have a resilient, powerful deck, and you have a bunch of other decks that can combat it either with main deck or sideboard options and it you end up with i think really interesting games and i'm looking forward to see this you know the it's unfortunate the pro tour is not standard because i think it'd be a really interesting pro, pro tour right now but instead we'll get online events and we'll get gps and things like that to get the results out of mm-hmm. so okay so you're playing scapeshift um do you have any comments on other cards that are good against you like people that maybe should be sideboarding against scapeshift or any suggestions for people that want to get into scapeshift uh for building their sideboards i would strongly suggest a crucible of worlds in your sideboard if you were playing uh scapeshift i saw this i think it was anime had this in her list let me open that up and make sure i'm seeing this yeah i know i know lsv had one at the gp i think okay well then this this is tag for people already but yeah i first saw it in anime's list uh and i think she was playing this deck kind of before anyone else was um like obviously a lot of people saw this desert and were like hey i could play this with scapeshift but i know she was playing it very early and that card is very good both in the mirror because you can actually run yourself out of lands as zombies just slam into each other and like the board just gets cleared over and over and it's also pretty good against control decks because a lot of people are using field of ruins to knock out your deserts and just being able to replay those from the bin is super helpful the other tip i would give to anybody that's playing this deck is you can stack block a lot of people don't know this and i learned this through the interface uh, while i was casting the fandom legends event because people were saying you know why are they blocking like this this is terrible you can do it this way If you have a stack of, oh, I don't know, 30 zombies, it shows you four tokens and there's a little 30 in the corner. If your opponent's attacking you with 20 zombies, you can just click the 30 and then click the 20. All the blockers are assigned. You don't have to do it individually. So like I've I've attacked people with a bunch of zombies expecting them to trade off and they time out where they're trying to block it. You, You just don't have to do that. Um, so make sure that you know that as you get prepared for these mirrors too, but bring in the crucible for the mirror and bring in the crucible for the control decks. Interesting. That is good tech. I like that. Um, the things that I find playing against scapeshift, so I'm playing flash and teamer elementals is, um, if it's Bant scapeshift, clearing out the Teferi obviously is super important. Um, it just, the instant speed scapeshift is really what gets you a lot of the time. Um, but also be aware that your opponent could just make four zombies a turn, mm-hmm. right? Or, or or three zombies or two zombies a turn or whatever they decide to do, depending on how many lands they have in play. Um, and, and you kind of have to respect that. So you can't keep, you know, if you're a fast deck, you can't keep a slow hand. Like you need to put pressure on, you need to beat them before zombies start coming down. Um, if you have counter spells of any kind, I like countering ramp specifically Securitas Root and um, a Kicked Grow from the Ashes, because if you can keep them below seven or eight lands or whatever it is... It's seven. Um, you don't want me to get seven. Sure, but the more that they have, the zombies kind of just ramp up. Like, it's not nece- it's not a linear scale. Yeah. Right? On, on seven lands, you can get seven zombies, right? Or is it eight lands you get eight zombies? And then... No, eight sorry, lands I get... Again. Eight lands I get 16 right so seven lands you get seven zombies eight lands you get two fields and you get 16 zombies right so the the 
fewer lands you can keep them on the better is what i find yeah um but then also just like casting like a crisis for 10 on turn six or something like that is is also something you can do because your opponent's not pressuring you they're not beating up your nissas they're not beating up your chandras if you're playing elementals um and if you're playing like a simic flash deck like i do sometimes too you can just counter everything and, and keep that to ferry off the board yeah and I would say when playing against uh, the, the Flash deck, you want to resolve everything you can before they get to four mana. Like, just don't worry about the counter spells. Pretend they don't have it. Cast your stuff. Because A, sometimes they don't. And B, even if they do, you're making them make a choice about whether they counter your spell or deploy a threat, right? So there's times where Dave, as the Simic Flash player, may have his Cutthroat and an Essence Scatter. And then on turn three, I play out my Elvis Rejuvenator, and he's got to make a decision. Do I counter this, or do I play the 2-1, knowing that it's going to get blocked by that anyway? Once it gets to four, that's when I start caring about your counter spells, because I have to play around both the Flash Wolf and a Fried Mystic. So, like, take the time and look over there and see what lands they have. Do they have double green? If they don't, pedal to the metal. If they do, think about what blows you out the most. And there's times I'll deliberately attack into a wolf mana, hoping that they'll cast it and eat my 1-1 or 2-2 or whatever, just so that I can resolve the spell in my hand. Um, And it's very important to be able to double spell at that point. So like, think about holding some three drops so that maybe you can bait them with uh, an unkicked grow from the ashes into a Teferi. Because if you ever land a Teferi, you win. Yep. Yeah, forcing your, your flash opponent to play spells that they don't want to play is kind of how you win that game is what I find. And that's where the mirror, like I'm terrible in the mirror because I'm always casting the spell that my opponent wants me to cast. So (laughs) whatever, I'm not a pro at that one. I am a pro with the team or elemental deck, specifically the ramp version. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, I want to talk about that a little bit here. So I've been playing and having great success. Um, I think it went undefeated today and I almost undefeated yesterday in, uh, in ranks. So I hit plat three. So I don't play a ton. I get about 80 matches in ranked usually in a season um and i hit plat three which is the highest i've been in a long time so i'm pretty happy about that and i'm doing it off the back of ramp elemental so congratulations dave by the way like we talked about that being dad mythic like that's a big deal for somebody that's not able to play that much yeah i wish i could play more um i like i like limited way too much um but uh but but it's been good for me and i set myself a personal goal to get that high and i'm gonna try to get to, to diamond now with a week left in the format um, but I pulled the deck off of Twitter somewhere. I don't remember. And I've tweaked it a little bit, but basically the idea is, is you ramp with, uh, Risen Reefs, Nissas, whatever you want to do. And you're either playing Omnaths for value, more Risen Reefs for value, um, Nissas or Chandra's for, you know, game winning plays, or you're mass manipulating your opponents for their entire board and swinging back for lethal. Um, I had a matchup the other day against Grixis Reanimator where my opponent had the Black Cavalier, two Agent of Treacheries, with two of my very large Hydroid Crasises that that were stolen from me, and then like some other creature or something like that. And I stole their entire board, and then end of turn drew six cards because of Agent of Treachery's secondary text. Because I had more than three creatures that weren't mine. And then obviously I swung back for lethal. Swung back for lethal in the next turn, right? But like, there's some pretty crazy things you can do with, uh, with mass manipulation. It's the deck is is the deck struggles against really aggressive, hyper aggressive decks, but that's why you sideboard. Um, and I'm also playing with a little bit of tech here, where I've got four Healer of the Glades, which is the one drop one two that gains you three life when it comes to play. Happens to be an elemental, um, which is really good against vampires, and I find against mono red. So I've been playing this deck to, to really good success. I take no credit for it. The only thing that I've tweaked are the main deck planeswalkers a bit and the sideboard. 
um, because I have to keep adapting to the, to the meta, but the deck is a ton of fun. Um, I took a screenshot and put it in Discord today where I had four Risen Reefs against the Scapeshift opponent and played uh, four Elementals or five Elementals on a turn, drawing, like, however many cards that was, and then playing Omnath for lethal the next turn because of all the <laughs> Elementals that I had in play. So it's like it didn't matter that my opponent could Scapeshift because uh, they were dying next turn anyway and there's nothing they could do about it. So um, there's some pretty cool things you can do. Crasis for 10, Crasis for 12 is really easy to do. So if you like drawing cards... And ramping, this deck is for you um, with a little bit of the mass manipulation combo there as well. We have seen a deck very similar to this. Uh, Kenji was playing one in one of the Phantom Legends events, and he got very far with it. And frankly would have won it if he hadn't gotten like really awful draws. So I think there's a lot of power to this deck. Uh, the fact that a lot of them are using Leafkin Druid to ramp means you can just ramp to absurd amounts of mana and also still draw cards off of that freaking risen reef because that card is just absurd yeah exactly i've seen a few other versions of this going around where it's more of an aggressive version playing the um the red green two drop the elemental two drop and things like that i I don't think that's great here i think there's better places to put your mana so I, i like i like basically keeping the number of cards you're playing like unique cards that you're playing down as as narrow as possible and really maximizing going all in on a couple of threats and i think that's where the deck really shines is just a super uh, super value deck or a super ramp deck to uh to chandra or nissa or something like that all right so i'll share that list on twitter if anybody's looking forward to send us a tweet we're at under arena underscore athletes fair enough now so what are some cool decks that you played against though so i or that you've seen in fandom i guess i want to take a little pause and do a segment with Travis. And then there are two more decks that I want to talk about. However, Mm -hmm. I think the two other decks I want to talk about are a showcase of the differences in decks that I want to illustrate briefly for our listeners. So the two other decks that I really want to make sure I mention are Orzhov Vampires and Esper Tempo. And I think that there's two different kinds of decks that you want to play. I think there's a ladder play deck and a tournament deck. And if you're actually interested in qualifying for the Mythic Championships through Arena and want to be in the top 1,000 in Constructed Mythic, you kind of have to play both because it's a ladder play deck until you hit Mythic because it's about getting through those initial ranks. After that, all of a sudden, it's about win rate. You have to win as many games as you possibly can. And I think these two decks, although both are certainly viable to play in the ladder and both are certainly viable to play in tournaments, I think they exemplify the differences between those. Because we've had two of the Fandom Legends events since this this new format has come out. Both of them have been won by Esper Tempo decks. The deck doesn't really play much from the new set, right? Like there's a Temple of Silence, some sideboard cards, a couple of people were, the, were experimenting with Tomebound Lynch, for example. But this is not a new deck. There's nothing really amazing going on here. It's Hero of Precinct 1 and a bunch of gold Esper cards, including Thought Erasure and Teferi's. It, it, it's boring if you're looking for a new deck, but the deck can get you some wins. And it actually has a pretty good win rate, at least in these tournaments. Whereas Vampires is kind of the opposite. I actually think this is a better aggro deck than Mono Red right now, because when I'm playing with my Scapeshift deck and I see somebody playing Mono Red, I breathe a sigh of relief, which is kind of ridiculous to me because like that's supposed to be the scary aggro deck. But when it's Mono Red, I'm like, I got them. I'm fine because I've got so much life gain and I can build up such a board state so quickly that they can't do anything about it. Whereas the Vampire deck is going one drop. They're not going one drop, two drop, three drop. They're going one drop, 
two one drops, a lord into a five drop. And it's like, what? This is absurd. Like Soren just makes that deck crazy. So I, I would argue if you're looking for ladder play and you just want to get to mythic quickly, if there's a deck that you can play that's quick, that has a lower win percentage, that's probably what you want to play. And then once you actually hit mythic, that's when you switch into whatever the best win percentage deck that you can pilot is. And I'd like to make the assertion that Esper Tempo may actually be one of the better decks for you to get from the percentages to the top 1,000. And Vampires may actually be one of the better decks for you to get from Plat 4 to Mythic with. And I'm I'm thinking about trying that out some tomorrow. Although, God, Scapeshift is so much fun, I don't know if I can actually do it. But those Vampires decks are legitimately terrifying. They close out a game almost immediately. And they're not really that difficult to build. So I, I think this is the new aggro deck du jour. And it's worth considering, worth looking at, and worth playing some. Yeah, I haven't even thought about playing Mono White since this deck came into existence. There's no reason the to. Only thing keep, the only thing keeping me from it is that it's rotating out in three months, and I don't have the Mythics yet, and I don't really want to spend my Mythic wildcards on, on Sorens because I don't think the deck survives rotation. Yeah. So, um, so it's a very, it's like Scapeshift. There's a very narrow window to play it in, but boy, you can probably rack up a lot of wins in that time. Yeah, it's definitely a real deck. And then, like I said, don't sleep on Esper Tempo because it didn't get any new cards. So it's probably not very good. That's just, that's simply not true. The deck is still very good. Uh, BBD and Autumn Lily have been crushing the fandom events with these, with these lists and they, they still just work fine. Esper should survive rotation quite nicely, right? Well, it's going to miss Teferi, uh, the big Teferi, quite a bit. Right, the the five drop Teferi, you're right. But there's going to be mean... some five mana Planeswalker that's pretty good that could probably sneak in there. And like as, as long as the hero is there, we can probably find more. Now, it is a concern what the quality of the gold cards will be since we're mm-hmm. you know going to start moving out of Ravnica eventually, but that's not happening immediately. So I, I think a lot of this deck would survive. Well, Ravnica will be around for an entire year, right? Yeah, so, so I, I think as when, long as that's there, this has got some some legs. Yeah, I'm just thinking about the core pieces. Maybe we'll talk about, uh, maybe we'll do a rotation show in a, in a couple of weeks or something like that and talk about the decks we think survive or the decks that should survive and the decks you can invest in if you're coming into the game, yeah. you know, right before rotation. Because that's always a, like, I, I really disliked rotation and paper when I first started playing Paper Magic again because... I never wanted to invest in cards that were going to rotate out, and there was always a deck that was rotating out. A um, little bit easier on Arena because the you build up a bunch of wild cards so fast if you draft, so it's not that big of a deal. But like, I still don't want to buy Scapeshift. I still don't want to buy Vampires because I'm like, man, I'll just buy Mythics. I'm going to play for a year, and I'll be happy with that. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. It, it's it's a bit of an art to navigate the the rotation, getting maximum value. Well, even with the Orzhov Vampires list, like if you've been playing the whole time, really all you're going to need to invest heavily in is those Sorens, because you should mm-hmm. have a lot of these other cards from from playing Ixalan, buying Ixalan packs, drafting Ixalan. Like, and it, it's not like you need all of them, right? Like, I, I don't think this list has been perfected yet. So you'll see some that are playing like you know, two Sky Marchers and two Aspirants and others that are playing four Aspirants. So like, it's okay. Just make sure you got four white one drops plus your three Legions landings and you're good to go. Yep, exactly. Um, okay, so other decks that you've seen being played that you want to you highlight? Uh, it's worth noting that there is a Feather deck and there's two versions of it. Uh, and not surprisingly, the, the card you care about most is Feather. 
But the way to play against these decks is to recognize that they're only running 15 creatures. They actually have more combat tricks to target their creatures than they have creatures to target with them. So generally what you want to try to do is get rid of their creatures and not worry so much about the combat tricks. Um, it, it obviously depends on what you're playing, but like I have no problem throwing a couple zombies in front of a 10th District Legionnaire and being like, who cares if they have the combat trick, especially if Feather's not out. I just don't care. Go ahead and blow it. Um, but generally speaking, I will try to bounce or kill everything that I can from them just to buy time because like they, they just get really far behind. And I, I, it's been interesting to, to watch these decks play out in the fandom events where I can see both players hands. And I feel like that's given me a depth of understanding, not to mention casting with Alexander Hain. Uh, that guy sees lines that I didn't even know existed, but like being able to see both hands, I can see exactly how fragile this deck is. Whereas it doesn't seem like that when you're on the other side of it. You hold a removal spell and you hold it and you hold it and you hold it. And then later realize they only had that run creature and they killed me with it. And I really needed to fire this off sooner before they drew something else. So like that's the weakness of the feather decks if 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 there is one. Also, they freaking hate Teferi because all their combat tricks have to be played at sorcery speed. So like if you could just stick it to fairy versus them and throw whatever you want in front of their creatures and leave it, they're going to have to play at sorcery speed versus you. And that's really difficult for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really, the deck is really protect the president or Madam president, I guess in this case, because of feather. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And like, I've seen a lot of players just play their two drop in with no God's willing backup because they've tapped out and it's just like, okay, I'm going to kill it because I don't care. Like I need to make sure that you don't build that threat. I don't need to make sure that God's willing isn't a, isn't a factor. So I think the good players are really good at making sure that they protect themselves and the, the creatures that they play. Yeah. And I think that's the trick too. If you've got a two drop and you can't protect it, just wait and play it on three. Cause like the games that I win versus feather, are the games where they run out a naked arcanist or a naked legionnaire and I just untap and kill it. Like that's super satisfying. I also typically, like if I'm playing a deck that's light on removal like Scapeshift, if I happen to have one of my few pieces of removal, which is the sit in the corner card, I'm basically not casting that until I see a feather. I'm not going to worry about the other stuff. I'll just throw Elvish Rejuvenators and, you know, my mana sloths underneath their creatures until they play that feather and then just make sure that that thing's dead. A a fun line of play for other people that are playing Scapeshift that I don't think you bump into very often is let's say that you use the sit in the corner card. Uh, I should actually remember the name of that. Do you remember the prison prison realm? realm, That's it. If you use a prison realm on a legendary permanent and then they play another one, you can bounce the prison realm with Teferi making them legend rule one of them and then replay it and get the other one. So like that was a line that was not totally intuitive to me until my opponent played a Narset and I had one under a prison realm and I'm like, I've got to be able to kill that Narset. And I was like, oh, I totally can. That's not a problem at all. It costs six mana. In some cases, you'll draw a card off of it. In that one, I didn't because there was still a Narset in play when I bounced the enchantment. But it's just a neat little thing you can do. And that will come up against the Feather decks and against decks that are running a bunch of Planeswalkers. So keep your eye out for that. Sweet. Anything else you've run into that uh, that you want to mention? No, I think that's about it. I've seen a couple of reanimator decks going around, and I'm very curious to see how long it'll be until this becomes a thing. I haven't seen any good uh, ones. Well, I haven't seen any I, ones I, with a good matchup against Scapeshift. True, and it could be the Scapeshift is keeping it down, but I've seen some really good ones. Um, and curious to see if uh, Graph Digger's Cage will have to come out 
of the uh, coming to sideboards here in the next couple of months. A couple of versions that I saw, one was a black-red version. Um, I think it was Martin Musa that was playing against me in the <laughs> non-ranked uh casual rooms i i think i think that was his name i didn't i didn't verify because i scooped pretty quickly um but it was basically just fill your graveyard and then play bond of revival or bone for bloods bond of revival gives your thing haste so if you haste back say the seven or eight mana dragon the seven seven that deals a bunch of damage to a bunch of things pretty good yeah and then the and then i've played against the grixis one a couple of times where they're like reanimating um agent of treachery or whatever else like cavaliers usually come into play because they get a lot of value uh combos really well with the um priest of the the black priest but the one two that you can tap and sacrifice creatures yeah yeah so it was often sacrificing a cavalier to bring back like uh, a plague crafter or something like that and then reanimating the cavalier to get more value out of it and things like that so you just ended up with this like cycle of value um I thought about the Graph Tigger's Cage at that point, but I've only really played against it four or five times. So curious to see if that will come out. And maybe the uh, maybe the shakeup standard event that's that's happening in the next couple of weeks will we'll see a lot of reanimator uh, come come in that format. So that's fair. And you know, the other fair thing is a lot of those cards that that reanimator deck are le- leaning on are not ones that are rotating. So mm-hmm. that may be an archetype to keep your eye on once rotation happens, especially if the new set Eldrian. I don't know how to pronounce it. I haven't heard anybody say yeah, it. Yeah, so. I don't know either. But if this new set has any any things that are good reanimation targets or reanimation spells, uh, that that could be pretty interesting. You may be onto something there, Dave. It's not me. I'm not playing the deck. I'm just reporting what I see in the ladders. So. We report. You decide. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Either way, it's a, it's a very interesting format right now. It's funny because I see people saying that they don't like the format because there's all of this variety. And it's like, well, what do you want? You don't want, like... Aetherworks Marvel because there's only one deck and then it gets banned and then you don't want a variety of decks in your format because it's too hard to pick out the best deck. There's no best deck. It's like what do you want? I mean, I'm a monster. I want Aetherworks Marvel. That was my favorite deck in Standard. I loved that you only had to practice for one matchup because you won all the others by default because people were not playing Aetherworks, which was just stupid when it was legal. Like I had the most fun playing that deck ever and I... I could sit down with that deck in a mirror match and crush somebody right now. I still feel it within my bones, but I, I realize I'm a monster. So I'd rather have a best deck and just practice mirror matches with the best deck and get really good at it. That said, I'm still really enjoying the standard, and that's not something I necessarily thought I would do. You know, if you if you miss that deck, you should just play Elementals because you have Rogue Refiner in the Risen Reef. Yeah, but Scapeshift, dude, if you ever killed somebody with 50 zombies, it's so stupid. I mean, I killed somebody with their own creatures once. That kind of counts, right? No, nah, into turn 50 zombies, and then they just scoop right. with it all on the stack. And just clicking auto-resolve and watching all that happen is so satisfying. Yeah, that zombie noise is kind of annoying. So I love it. I take my headphones off when that happens. I turn them up. <laughs> all right. Well, this is a good talk this week. Agree. I like the standard talk. We'll uh, we'll report back more next week with the uh, the fandom event happening again, and then also just a little more ladder play, plus a fresh uh, ranked season starts in about a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll report back on these events and see if they're any good. So, in the meantime, where can they catch you uh, streaming some standard this week? You can find me at twitch.tv slash simulan, and I'm on Twitter at simulan, S-E-M-U-L-I-N. 
and I'm at twitch.tv slash dcivilian, that's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N, and I'm at Twitter the same. Uh, you can also follow us, we're at arena underscore athletes. Thanks to Face to Face Games for the sport and the host. We'll catch you next time. Adios.